0: Welcome to episode seven, the penultimate episode of season four, and what better topic to discuss than sustainability in our travel, in our daily lives, in our businesses, our impact, and so much more. It's such an essential part of how we should live, and I'm thrilled to have Tom Harding of Nemo Travel and brilliant philanthropic entrepreneur, Brittany Turner, join us to discuss this vital topic. Welcome, Tom, and welcome, Brittany. Tom Harding, tell me everything.
1: So I'm the uh, founder of Nemo, which is a bespoke travel planning platform, which we started in 2019. Um, prior to that, my background is kind of based in the safari and kind of wildlife space. So um, very passionate and have always been about getting into that world. And yeah, just um, led to led to starting Nemo, which which the whole principle behind it is is trying to bring the bespoke side and luxury side of travel to a more modern and, um, I guess, conscious audience. Um, And, yeah, post-pandemic, things are going well. It's been a shaky couple of years, but we're uh, we're in a good place and lovely to be chatting.
0: Thanks, Tom. I love Nemo and I urge people to book with them. I think what you do is super. The trips you plan are wonderful. And we will, of course, talk more about that. Brittany Turner, welcome. Tell me. Tell me a little bit about yourself. (laughs) I am the founder and CEO of
2: Ariel, which has multiple entities underneath it. Our vision is summarized easily into just elevating people and places. And we are on a mission to wipe out poverty at its root. And so we've been understanding how do you actually bring in economic opportunity in areas that need it so that people are struggling less with desperation related atrocities. You know, I believe if we've ever solved these problems before of uh, hunger, um, education, medical, anywhere in the world, then they can be solved again. And so to try to liaise these opportunities has been one of the greatest joys in my life. So that mission is expressed through my different companies, um, each in their own way, but they really work well together. And so I started out, um, I actually started out living in my car and working for free about 12 years ago. And I worked to understand how do you revitalize neighborhoods and make people believe in them again to, to bring in that investment. And that has grown from single family homes to neighborhoods, to cities, and now to to small nations. And I use my nonprofit to go in and help people right after disasters. And um, I bought an island a few years ago. And the, the entire mission of the island is to help people heal and understand how to find center so they can start walking in their purpose. Because we believe when people walk in their purpose, there really won't be any issues across the planet. And so it's been so much fun to, to bring this completely new concept of wellness. And I don't know if the word is self-discovery, but having people really understand their potential to change the world and find that full life fulfillment through a stay in one of the most inspiring and beautiful places in the world. And all of that really does work together. And we are knocking out issues globally, which has been so fun. Of course, the island is beautiful and inspiring and healing for people who just want to have a, a regular family vacation. Um, but the kind of summits, the island hosts itself, are more directed in what I was just speaking about.
0: This is all incredible. Um, but I want to go right at the beginning. Did you both know you'd become founders? Does that all does it start there and you go, this is the goal, this is what I want to do?
1: I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, I mean, from my side, I always want to do something very, Different, I think, to my peers. It was quite a kind of traditional uh, peer group I was in, um, I guess, going through university and everybody's on the track to work in the city or property or, or insurance, this kind of stuff. So I did always want to break the norm. And, and as I touched on before, the kind of Africa wildlife side of things, it's like a massive passion. Um, kind of learned quite quickly that that is a world that you need to be. Incredibly scientific to kind of go down that conservation route. So, my quickest route to Africa, which was quite a big call at the age of uh, 19, was just flying to Nairobi and and trying to find a job within the hospitality space there. So, um, I mean, definitely thought from there, like, great chance to maybe kind of do something entrepreneurial within that world in Kenya. Um, After a couple of years, it was pretty clear though that living as a 19 year old in the middle of the bush managing a team of staff who were all kind of locally local born and bred and 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 knew the lay of the land incredibly well actually I can get into a bit more later on the kind of human side of it but I think the I wanted to actually go and kind of send people to stay with these guys that was the big thing that I was seeing there is I kind of wanted to come home but also really had a passion to to get people to experience their culture through their eyes, and, and and kind of that was the big kicking point for Nemo. Really, kind of seeing it from the other side. Um, there was also a real lack of awareness of what was happening in these local communities. Something we're quite big on with with Nemo. So, yeah, <clears throat> born out of passion to go to Africa, but then it kind of uh, really developed when I was there, and, and yeah, was kind of full steam ahead when I got back to China. Yeah, try and set up my own thing. But it's been very much passion-driven rather than than business. And I guess I'm now trying to get to that point where things are going really well. And and I guess suddenly uh, the business head needs to go on a bit more. So, yeah, um, always learning on that front.
0: That's great when it starts from a passion and it becomes a business and serves a a bigger purpose. Um, So that's definitely great from the Nemo side. And Brittany, I guess from your side as well. You founded Ariel in 2009, very young at 21 years old. Um so tell me about that journey to becoming a founder and if you can give me a top line summary of Ariel as well.
2: Yeah, and I love I love Tom's journey and his passion was really ignited in Kenya because mine was as well. I I wanted to do mission work since I was twelve and I never I never knew the exact location of where, but I always knew it would be in Africa and so I worked uh, a lot throughout my teenage years, really five jobs at a time to, to be able to fund these different mission trips every summer. And I just got more and more frustrated because I didn't feel like I was solving the problem when I went to serve. And, and so at 17, I, I, met, um, I met a little girl that had been sexually abused. And I found out in this community of Costa Rica, where I was at, up in the mountains, that it was socially acceptable to have these kind of terrible things happening. And that was the day I dedicated my life to doing something about that. I didn't want to just see issues and, and I call it ostriching where you bury your head and you pretend like they're not there and they'll just go away on their own. And, and that's when I decided I would need to be a founder to be able to have the resources to solve these problems. And I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to just ask for money as a nonprofit, and hope that enough came in. I wanted to create businesses and jobs. And uh, it sounds like Tom went into these communities and created opportunities um, for people so that they had great meetings and could pull themselves up with dignity in some of these impoverished areas. That's at least what my focus was. And so I decided to be a founder. I struggled my way into it and finally was able to accomplished that at 21. And this has just grown, grown, grown. But for me, Africa has 100% been my igniting light. When I went there, I've gone there many times, but I saw how even in the development of some of the orphanages we were building, we would create jobs for for these locals. And we had an, an adult education center um, on the outskirts of the properties that we would buy. And people want these opportunities. They're so excited when this education came in. And so, my approach when developing um, my resorts, but it, the one on the island is the first of its kind, is to truly consider, I call it mindful revitalization. When, and mindful development, mindful revitalization is when you consider not just the guests coming through your property but you are really asking the questions on how can we create opportunities for the local community and then how can we be building a case study to where other people around the world could be copying the model of this resort coming into or or building anything in a new area can be the biggest blessing that ever happened. And because that happened, all these terrible things that used to happen no longer happen. And so again it's about le- orchestrating good. If you can orchestrate as much good as humanly possible through your resort, through the local community and then through the globe, then that's triple prizes in our book and and it's not something you can just wake up and do. It's always testing, always adding new ideas, always tweaking uh, to be as impactful as you possibly can, but we're doing it. And so Tom, I love I love what you do. I love your heart and I'm just so happy that your organization is out there because I do believe this is something consumers really do want. They want their money to be making a difference. And if they can be doing that while going on these amazing vacations and learning at the same time, like that's just how millennials and Gen Z and and even in other generations, they know they want it. They just didn't even know it was possible to do. So kudos to you guys.
0: So there's two sides, of course, from Nemo when you're arranging a trip that has a positive impact um but then there's also the other side where you're donating a percentage of your profits to non-profit organizations or charities can you tell me about those respective partners and why is that so important to do
1: yeah the um i think the the first side which is like curation of products is is really important and i think it's something which we're able to do because We take that little bit of extra time, I guess, when planning trips. Most of our trips are special occasions, kind of milestone moments. So, like, generally the consumer, the traveler wants to spend a little bit more time in that product selection if you want. So whether that's narrowing down from uh, Kenya to Zambia or, you know, even wider, like, you know, I want to go on a honeymoon. Do I go to Central America or Sri Lanka or... Whatever, it's um it's that time in the process and I think for us that gives us time to educate the traveller on why staying in a sustainably minded lodge is is better, even though it's maybe four hundred dollars more than the one that's, you know, two two miles down the road. But for us it gives us time to educate on why that lodge will have a bigger impact and kind of it's amazing as as Brittany was saying, how receptive people are to that, um and how this kind of modern traveler, this new audience, I think it's only going to get more so in the, in the future is, is, you know, talking transactionally wouldn't actually consciously spend more on something where there's going to be, they know they're going to have an impact, which I think, you know, again, it's, it's, I guess a semi brave decision from us as a business saying that we openly, it's not so much us, it's more the product we offer is going to be more, expensive but you're going to get so much more out of it and the people the communities there are going to get more out of it so i guess that's the like curation of product side um from a from the donation point of view again it's you know our approach uh, and it's you know we've started we're fortunate again that it's a business that can be run based on on bookings that are being made so we haven't had to go out and get vc money straight away we haven't like we're able to give a donation of profits through through goodwill. And now we've kind of pledged to do that for life. I mean, I'm convinced if we raised VC money off the bat, we would have been hard armed into not doing that, if that, if that makes sense, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a travel business that needs, needs profit. So we, it's now become one of our values. So um, we give 1% of all our profits to Hello World, who are an incredible small charity, um, similar, massively similar values to us. And that was started by a couple of very passionate people um, her name's Katrin. She basically—it's incredible, actually. You've got to check it out. It's um, their Instagram handles at org and you can see them building these educational hubs in marginalized communities. They've got some in Uganda, Nepal, and India, and they essentially bring internet and education to very, very remote areas um, with the, the the goal of basically, yeah, bringing modern and I wouldn't say Western, but kind of modern tech, modern education to communities that would never have it. And that can involve women's empowerment, um, lots of topics you talked about earlier, Brittany, but it's it's micro scale, but the impact's huge. And I think that's that's kind of how we look at it as well. Um, you know, the 1% from, it's 1% of, of the whole trip. So it's a nice feeling for the traveler as well, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's in time for us. So hopefully it has a huge impact. Like we're very aware that we're not, moving mountains at the moment but hopefully in two years it's a it's a big bigger impact and then 10 years like we can commit to building our own hubs with hello world and it's yeah it's very much a long-term game but um yeah can get into a bit more some of the reasons why I'd say other travel companies are quite good at creating policies that seem incredibly quote-unquote green um but for me our biggest way we can impact is with people and education and Um, empowering communities rather than um, yeah I mean we're a travel business we fly people over the world it's it's kind of crazy to over green it if that makes sense
0: I think being conscious about that and the messaging and that education is is everything it's so important Brittany
2: under no circumstances do I ever want you to downplay (laughs) the start of that Tom that was so the internet solution being taken to these areas is massive I mean it's the game changer. So I'm loving that. And I want more information on that nonprofit because it's such it's one of the most impactful things we've seen work. So amazing work and really cool that you're letting your, your guests be part of that impact. That's awesome. For for us, we've um, every country that we work in, depending on what my organization, uh, which organization we're working on has different nonprofits that it supports locally. But then we have, uh, my own nonprofit called aerial recovery and I'll talk about the Island specifically because that one is uh, we, we call multi-layer impact. And for any other hotel owners or resort owners listening to this, it's a really fun way to just compound the, the difference that you're making. So the uh, top line of every single booking that's ever gone through there goes to different local nonprofit initiatives, um, either through my nonprofit or through other nonprofits that we're supporting in the area. And then, so that's just, that's the funding going to make a difference. But then activities on the island, we have an entire roster of opportunities for guests when they come and stay instead of going sailing, maybe they go turtle tacking or they go clean up a reef or they go um, mentor at a youth program in the local community. We have 20 have something different items from them to be able to pull into their itinerary as they're building it out with our island concierge, because every single booking is custom for them. So allowing them to have local impact while they're there or like a half day of give back has been incredibly rewarding for the guest. And then look a little deeper on even in our operations, the way that we, our food is sourced. Um, The kind of food we serve again is all healing. And then where we source it is sustainably um, done again, as local as possible, organic and the farms we support have local give back programs included in them And then look even deeper, and it's where we sourced our materials on island. Anything that could possibly have been sourced somewhere that creates hand-up opportunities, uh, specifically in areas of desperation, we were buying from there. And if it's something like towels, do they have their own uh, – are they conscious companies as well? So we really layered it as much as humanly possible um, to where they're really synergistically impactful. So all the layers, the more you pull back the curtain, the more you realize that you made a difference by staying at the aerial BBI, and guests didn't even know the, that the setup of those kind of things was possible. And so when we do take the time to educate them, when they ask, you know, we're not in for us, we don't want to be in your face, like stay here to make a difference. We want them to stay there because it's the most, you know, beautiful place (laughs) ever and our practices make your life enhanced. And then they find out they made this incredible difference um, through their money uh, being spent there as well. So that's been really fun for us to constantly be. We have a whole team that all they do is think through these kinds of ways that we can be more more impactful. And we have an impact director on our team as well. Tell me more about the summits and the retreats that take place at
0: Aerial BVI.
2: We have... So the island hosts five themselves, and those are called the Elevate Summits. And they're wired around the what we believe creates whole life success. And a whole life success doesn't mean you just got rich. It means that you were successful in getting clarity on your own life so that you know how you want to impact it. And you can step into your purpose so so it's that clarity and then you can have success in your relationships in your body in your wealth and in your spirit and so we've got dream which is the clarifying event we've got presence which half of it is a silent retreat and it's about learning how to be with yourself and tap into that inner guidance and then we've got abundance which is aligning your wealth with the long-term vision of your life. Strength aligns your body, and then love aligns your relationships. And they're really amazing immersive experiences where people get to truly elevate in those areas, and people's entire lives have been changed. They've, it's been one of the coolest things I've ever seen happen um, for people to, to start gaining this, this level of consciousness and understanding. And it's not just like, a quick five day, that was cool. And then they go home and go right back into their routine. This has been really amazing long-term real life change. And of course we have uh, ways we stay in touch and continue to encourage them in their journey and talk them through that. But this is, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And I'm between us very surprised. It's been this impactful. I mean, we, you design something, you hope it's as awesome as you hope, but then when it really does work out, um, it's really just beyond us. The island has is, kind of got this reputation of being this space of healing and miracles now, and I don't, I don't really know how to exactly quantify that. To be a copy and paste, just do these three things. Like it, it is a really special place, and y'all are going to just have to come check it out.
0: I think it's amazing. I don't think it is quantifiable, but it sounds incredibly life changing, and if you're open minded enough to. It and take that trip to take that experience yourself, then that's really what makes a difference. But who, who signs up? Who are the kind of people that actually sign up and want to make that difference? People who are hungry for more.
2: You know, they go their whole lives being told this and this from society and, and the media. But they know that there is more available, but they don't really know how to step into that. And People are drawn to the different events based on what they want to elevate in their life. And like I said, just come test it out. It's, it's hard to even explain how it works the way it does, but come test it out. So people who are hungry and so it's different economic backgrounds, uh, all over the world, but it's really people. I don't have better words than they're elevating their consciousness and
0: they're on that part of their journey. Tom, I want to ask you about sustainable tourism. <laughs> do you think it's fair to say that tourism can sustainably change lives and improve economies?
1: I think yes, like undoubtedly, because having seen going out to Kenya and doing that, I mean, I'm so glad I did, did did that for what I do today, if that makes sense. like Obviously, I'm sure there's... Well, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who work in tourism, who obviously never, and probably send people to all corners of the world and never actually, I guess, get to know on a friendship basis the, the people who are working in, in said hotel. So that was like a really cool experience in, in in that sense, being able to see, not actually, not safari guides, maybe not even the guide, maybe the the assistant chef at the safari lodge who, in all honesty, without that job is, I mean, that job's funding his probably his own family and his wider family. So that's, you know, we're talking 20 people in the Masai Mara. Um, and he's 19 years old. And, like, you know, talk about pressured jobs in a Western world. I mean, that guy, his peers are probably, you know, in all honesty in these communities, they're, they're either pastoral, so they're kind of doing that. But they're kind of mixing it with a bit of, bit of the Western world as well. And it's probably quite easy to get a little bit um, led astray. But it's a massive – the guys who end up getting these jobs are – I mean, seriously devoted, passionate, kind of uh, dedicated to looking after their family, and, and the money that comes from the lodge to those communities is is huge. And that's just one of this is talking about the Masai Mara in Kenya. That's one of hundreds, thousands, different kind of potential destinations where this type of tourism is going on. I think, I think the dangerous thing is is where mass tourism into not interferes but kind of uh, competes with it. Um, and obviously it's, it's, it's a lot easier to jump on a flight and go somewhere where there's a big resort and there's a pool and there's lots and it's all kind of well set up, but, and, and it's cheaper as well. So the, yeah, I think, I think that's the, the, the two different spaces, but where for, I mean, you see it in some of these very remote places, big resorts being built and it really does clash because they're obviously, they're, they're built with the wrong ethos. There may be foreign, uh, foreign money coming in that just wants to take the money out and it's, yeah, so that's the balance that needs to be struck. But, I mean, fortunately, it is a big, massive, massive topic. And it, there's a lot of people working really hard to make sure the money stays within communities. But, again, it's somewhere where we can hopefully add value to our travelers in that, you know, selecting those places where we know that it's going directly back into the communities because I think I, I think in the wrong hands it can be actually de- like really, really detrimental. Um and there's many examples of that where traditional cultures have been eroded um, to the point where they don't really exist anymore. I think the interesting thing about places like like Kenya, and I'm sure Brittany may saw a bit of it as well, is you you see this kind of interesting blend of it where they're so passionate to keep their culture because it's so inherently important, but also kind of have this kind of more Western modern mentality as well. So it's really interesting that like you meet some incredible people out there who have been given this platform to, to to i guess build their own little empire because of tourism which is very cool um yeah so I, again it's the communities and it's the, the people side that i do think the biggest impacts can be had
0: you said it's a massive topic and and we touched on it very briefly yes completely but there are also impacts individual impacts that we can do as travelers um which all go in the right direction for, and I know ethical travel is a huge part of, of Nemo, um, from the big annual trips away from short haul trips, uh, traveling responsibly. Are there any things that you think are helpful to share, um, useful practical tips perhaps for travelers to travel more responsibly?
1: I think you, you kind of touched on it there. The big one that we're particularly post pandemic, uh, pushing actively which again seems a bit of a um a strange move for a company who want people to book holidays is we're actually we are encouraging travelers to to travel less but but when you travel travel with more purpose travel um meaningful destinations and and you know try and come out of that trip having gained more than just kind of lying lying on the beach in the sun i mean everyone obviously it's crucial but Brittany was talking about it earlier the amount of um yeah, I mean, it sounds incredible what you guys are doing there, but that's the type of experience where, um, and it doesn't always have to necessarily be the very top end either. It's, it's possible to do it across different different levels. It's just um, that slightly more thoughtful, conscious, meaningful, all these kind of words, um, when choosing your destination. Um, and I think, yeah, taking a bit of time, like less is more, this this kind of meaningful approach is, is a big part of what we're doing. Um and interesting, it gets noticed as a as a stance. So like people are in a very encouraging way. You know, if if someone gets in touch with us at the start of the year and says, "I want to go on three amazing trips for ten days," you know, and, and we come back to them and say, "Why not go on one incredible one for you know two and a half weeks?" They'll you know it's 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 there's clear meaning why we're doing that beyond you know probably make more money on them doing three, but it's a uh, that kind of conscious decision to get people to travel how we think they're going to get the most from it if that makes sense and not just them but the communities that they go and see as well um so yeah i think that's a huge thing really um and again it's it's the pandemic gave us time to slightly come up with this 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 thinking around it a little bit i think we we started the business just before the pandemic and you know at that time it's tricky it's just two founders we desperate for, for bookings and you know we are sending this one percent you know it's, it's difficult to have that approach i think we're able to really take stock and think about how we want the business to be in 10 years time over that period so yeah pros and cons to to it all i'm, I'm pretty pleased we're out the woods now but um touch wood <laughs> but um yeah that's the big one i think is is the kind of less is more and meaningful travel um being one of your personal ethos with travel if that makes sense
0: Yeah, touch wood indeed. And I definitely think, I mean, from our side, certainly there's been an increased interest in slower travel,
1: Mm.
0: bigger travel, um, less of the kind of hop over to Paris for a day. Do you find that people have changed their mentality post-COVID?
1: Definitely. From our our audience, uh, I can only really speak for that, and I guess a few figures seen, but I mean, 100%. I think, well, everyone was so tied to home that I think the I think I think it needed to change as well so before the pandemic we were I mean I was guilty of it as well you kind of jumped on a flight to go to Mallorca for three days or go to Italy for a few days and it's I'm sure it happens within the US as well people jump on planes and traveling domestically and it's um, definitely I feel people's habits have changed on that not only because of the kind of Staycation, domestic tourism, increase in interest, and people realising it's actually, you know, can be can be pretty amazing. But just it just seems impractical now. It's, it's actually like it, you know, the excitement is less if you're going that first trip that everyone went on after COVID. I think they enjoyed so much that excitement that it's almost like you want to have that again. And the way to have that again is by again, like I say, getting excited about a trip, like the less is more approach, all that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I definitely think there's been a, a shift in uh, consumer habits post, post-pandemic, post
0: 100%. I certainly have. I would do two days, three days, two days here and, yeah. and stop doing that completely. It just seems like such an utter waste of so many resources. So I'm, I'm very glad to hear that you're seeing that from the consumer base. Brittany, how do you think companies, travel agents, developers and, and everything, because you cross a lot of different sectors, how do you think they can become more conscious, more eco-friendly, more meaningful?
2: Yeah. uh, Tom, I love what you're doing. And just I can't not comment on his awesomeness. And I don't know how we haven't hung out before because we're so wired (laughs) so similarly. And I'm so sorry you started right before the pandemic. So did we. (laughs) Our grand opening date on the island was April 1st, 2020. (laughs) And that was like the day the borders closed for nine months. And so... During those nine months, we got to think a lot more. We had more time to go through and fine-tooth comb all the things I was just speaking about, which is how can the way we buy our towels elevate the world? And what kind of activities will guests be able to be part of? And just put in all the little tiny pieces that, that it seems small, but the ripple effect of what they do does change the world over time. And that's, that's what I love about what Tom's doing too, because he's not just, he's not just donating 1%. He's opening people's eyes to so many different causes and places that it's not that they're just going to go on that one vacation. That's going to change probably the rest of their, the approach they have in the rest of their lives. And so very cool concept. Kudos. I can't celebrate you enough. Um, it's amazing, and I look forward to meeting you someday. So for developers and and resort owners, like we were just speaking about, again, how can you be doing things mindfully? And I'm in a space, I'm usually one of the only girls in the room, at least in a lot of the places I've gone. And so that might sound like a feminine word, but if you really think through it, it just means you care. You care more than just making money. You care about, we call it the triple bottom line. We will not say that we're successful in any one of my ventures unless we are positively impacting people, positively impacting the planet and making a profit. And if we're just profitable, then we are a failure. And if we're only elevating people, then we're probably not going to be able to stay in business if we're not also making a profit. So get in a room with a whiteboard and ask yourself to anybody listening to this, what have I been entrusted with in my life? And how can I use it as a force for good? You know, if you've been given, uh, if, you, if you've been entrusted with a house in your life, you own a house, how can I use that house to better humanity? How can I use my business How can we get better with our operations, the way we treat our staff, um, the way we are mentoring and building people up at the same time as staying on track with our mission? So asking powerful questions is going to lead you to powerful answers. And it's in the tiny tweaks that, like we said, would create ripple effects that dissolve some really terrible things um, over our lifetimes and past us. And we ask ourselves all the time, how, if, if the mission is to elevate people in places, how can we orchestrate more good with or without ever getting any credit for it? And the only reason credit can help is to develop a brand where more people will, that it's strong enough and you prove that these models work. So other people will hopefully copy you and do the same in their own businesses, but really easily look at where you're buying your materials. You know, if they're supporting, they might, they're definitely going to be the cheaper product, but they're not going to be, um, helpful to humanity. So like Tom said, it's going to cost more most of the time until you can create enough business to stabilize these things, you know, putting solar into things, solar is super expensive until more people are doing it, then it can lower the cost over time. So looking at where you're buying your products, looking at your operations, looking at how you treat your staff. And do you have programs to continue to build them up? Uh, Look at your, what you're donating your money to in the local community and then share how people, this is the best thing I wish I had done way earlier. Share how your clients, guests, customers can be part of making a difference. So let them know how they are making a difference. Again, don't be annoying and in their face, but let them know that by doing this, you you did this, but also say, if you want to continue to make even more of a difference in this area, here's how you can get involved. Again, no pressure, but we have a giving shop on the island, not a gift shop, but a giving shop and everything you buy, instead of it just being like a mug to take home, that mug would probably have something really powerful. That's a reminder for you to stay present in your life and the mug was made by someone local. And a percentage of even the profits from us buying those would go to another local program. And so there's like multi-layered impact, but we didn't just buy cheap mugs, ship them over and sell them. There's layers of intentionality behind that. Now that mug's probably not going to be $2, uh, but that's in order to make the difference multiple places, it's going to have to cost a little bit more. So, but that mug's going to mean the world to that person taking it home. So the, the giving shop, not only hundred percent of all of what's sold in that giving shop goes to different nonprofits. And we share with our guests what the money goes to specifically, and they can actually pick to donate to those causes. So for example, a, a hat's $20.00, they can buy that hat for $200 because hundred percent of that goes to these different nonprofit initiatives and they can pick their initiatives.
0: I I absolutely love that. I was just lost in listening to you. I think that's such a wonderful concept and it's so empowering for the guests as well to be so involved in that decision and know they're coming away, doing something impactful. Um, You're both growing brilliantly conscious businesses and Brittany, you touched on profit briefly. How do you think eco minded companies which are striving to make a positive impact performing compared to those solely driven by profit? you
1: know we started with with passion and 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 desire to make this um sustainable side of it work, and I think actually tangibly giving back the one percent for us is 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 massive um I'm not convinced, like I say, if you initially start a business simply looking at the numbers that you come to that that you allow that one percent to come into your model. Um, unless it's solely for marketing, which again is something we can talk about and something that I think you do see quite a lot of within the travel space, like I mean epoxy is probably the wrong word, but schemes created where it's it's weighing up the cost of some kind of green eco move versus um potential marketing gains, if that makes sense. Um now, like I say, we put the one percent in with with pure passion and potentially a bit of naivety, but now we're we're fortunate that it is it's we don't actually talk about it a huge amount. And I think quite deliberately, because at the moment it's not it's not it's not moving mountains, like I say. Every traveller who travels with us is very aware of what they're doing. But I think what I'm really excited about is that 1% come in in five, 10 years time when the, when the revenues, like, you know, when the growth's there and, and, and everything's happening. And we can tangibly start saying, we've built this hub for hello world and in, in Nepal and that kind of thing, which is incredibly exciting. Um, And it, it ties into community as well, building a community who, who care about it as a ta- attached to your brand. Um, and again, it's looking for long-term, long-term gains rather than short wins. And, I think you can only do that if the, the 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 profit number isn't the sole goal. If that if, if that's um, if that's possible for a business, which you know, um, yeah, I, th- I think it is, and I think it's it's it is very important for us that that stays true, however big we grow. And and you know, speaking hypothetically, it would be a factor for us if we were to you know, take the next step and get VC money in and, and kind of proceed, which hopefully will happen the next few years. Um, yeah, massively important that we can stick with those original values um, as founders and, and just kind of, uh, you know, also our employees. There's there's every single one of them. I think the first thing they said to us when they applied for the job was, you know, we just love that ethical side of it, um, which, you know, is so cool. Um, they're not they, – they, they love travel, they love um, – the hotels we work with, they love the whole thing. Um, but you know, the main reason I think most of them got in touch was because they saw that and, and it stood out for them. And, and as Brittany said, it's it's hyper relevant to people of a, shall we say, Gen Y and below uh, age demographic. I'm not I'm not very clear on my uh, my demographics, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's just so important for, for for the company, the people, the brand, everyone working there that, that you. Stick to those values, if you know what I mean, and it isn't just uh, vanity. If that makes sense,
2: it becomes it becomes your differentiator. So exactly like like Tom's saying, you know, if he were to take on this capital and they made him change that, he just lost his niche. He lost why his employees come to him. He lost like why customers would come to him. I mean, this is the differentiator. And why you even start to attract business. And that's what we have found to be very true. And that's what's fun is even when you bring in that kind of capital to be able to show them the that there is an ROI because this entire business is built on giving back. So you can't change that. And then for people who are, I call it wired by greed versus wired by give, I love being able to show them why financial models can work and still give back. And then they have to understand and they can't argue with you. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome that he's proving that model. And it's, I think it's going to be wildly successful. What we've found is, I, I had somebody explain it to me like this. They said, because I, I always wanted to change the world in every way I possibly could my whole life. And I was around somebody that had a conscious business that had been around for 20 years. I said, how do you not do all the initiatives day one that you want to do? And he said, Brittany, you got to think about it like this. When you start a company, your company is like a canoe and every impact initiative you want to integrate is like a cinder block. And there's only so many cinder blocks. That's a building block in America, uh, Every one of those blocks is going to weigh your canoe down, make it a little slower, make it a little heavier, but you can't not be having those. Think about this. The bigger you grow your company, your boat, essentially, the more blocks you can carry. So when you're a startup, you've got a canoe. There's only so many you can do without sinking the ship financially. But if your goal is to grow your company, then once you turn into a sailboat and then eventually a cruise ship, you can carry as many blocks as you possibly want because you are strong enough to do so. Now, making those work together is how you share what you're doing. Like I said, I never want to I don't know if the word is manipulatively or leverage the impact and like have a bad product that people are like I'm willing to put up with the crappy product because I'm helping people. No, you really have to have excellence and impact tied together hand in hand. And then your product and your company, I think, will really take off long term versus just, you know, pulling on heartstrings to to get your whatever you're launching off the ground.
1: That's super interesting. The uh the canoe. I love the canoe. Such a good way of uh seeing the whole thing because yeah, there are times where not just on the sustainability side, but you you want to do so much more than you can. It's just kind of you used the term, I think kind of like the excellence needs to be there. Like for us, we use the word exceptional a lot. Like if it's not, if the trip isn't exceptional, because we've gone too far down, perhaps so kind of uh, trying to get the, you know, another side of the business in, then it, then it's, it's, they're not going to come back for the second trip. And then maybe on that second trip, we can really kind of, we can gain more and our partners can get more and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's I really love the the canoe. In fact, it's so cool.
0: I think factoring it from the beginning, which you both said, it's uh, not adding something for marketing, not certainly not cutting the or reducing the value of the product that you're offering. So across both of what what you're both saying, making an integral part of the business and the growth. So your canoe your your canoe becomes a boat. I think is absolutely brilliant, and and that's why you're both doing such wonderfully impactful things in your businesses so I actually just have one final question which we've kind of covered but I I wonder if you both have one final thought in this how can we be more conscious as travelers or as human beings in our in our day-to-day practices everybody's been given something
2: even if it's just that you have arms how can you make a difference by by hugging people who need it how can you how can you make a difference in any aspect of your life because I believe abundance follows gratitude. And gratitude is looking around at what you already have and truly appreciating it. If you even look at the financial term appreciation, it's to grow in value, to increase in worth. And when you are growing in value and increasing in worth, that which you've already got, you're going to be given more. Nobody likes to give somebody something that's ungrateful and you want to shower people with gifts for the people who freak out and are just crying. Thank you. This is, this is everything to me. I believe, I believe the universe is the same way. And so look at what you already have and ask, like I said, how can I be a force for good with this? How can I be a blessing with whatever it is? And you will be given more. And so again, there's all kinds of people listening to this. It's, it could be somebody homeless. It could be somebody that is a multi decade billionaire. Whatever you have, ask powerful questions. You're going to get powerful answers. And what we're seeing is it's too easy to make a life altering difference. And simply by bringing internet, like Tom's doing through his nonprofits, um, bringing internet opens people up to an entirely new world, which allows them to stay in their community but have different opportunities so they don't have to leave creating brain drain. Internet is huge. And it could also be helping rebuild a school after a storm because that those kids are headed to living a life of poverty because they don't have access to opportunity because they have no education because their school got washed away. You know, there's so many ways and honestly, very inexpensively, inexp- depending on where you want to start to change lives and change lives forever. So stop thinking it's impossible to change the world and realize that something so big starts with something so small. And that something so small starts with you identifying the gifts you've already been giving or already been given and starting to activate them into being in alignment with the difference you want to make in the world.
1: Love that. Your, uh, your desire to do good and compassion is pretty, uh, infectious. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, from my side, I was, I'm focusing more on, on travel um, and what you can do as a traveler, I guess. I would just say take time um, when deciding what you want to do and try to be less transactional and perhaps it's easy to be. I think something that is tricky with, again, it, I think it makes it tricky for eco-minded properties and resorts and all this kind of stuff is the fact that it's so easy to hop onto an OTA, booking.com, kayak, whatever it is, and, and, and just buy a deal. Uh, and I think we spend so much time being transactional in day-to-day life that when it comes to something like travel, um, like I said, I do think this is happening more post pandemic, which is great because we had time to think, um, the yeah i think when it comes to that big trip it's such a special moment for you for that year or you know could be you do one trip every two years whatever um yeah take time plan it properly think about it think about where you're going think about what you want to get out of it think about what the communities you're going to will get out of you going um and try and have a positive impact that way um yeah
0: where can we follow you both and your companies on social media I'm on
2: everything. And my name is spelled weird. So I lucked out and got all the handles. It's uh, at Brittany Turner on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I'm most active on my YouTube and Instagram. And of course, I've got BrittanyTurner.com where you can find everything. I've also got a lot of podcasts uh, talking about these kinds of things. And again, helping people understand how they can change the world in their own specific way. And if you want to come to the island to truly dive deep into that and also have one of the most impactful vacations of your life for you personally and um, hopefully the world, go to at the Ariel BVI. Ariel is A-E-R-I-A-L. And it's arielbvi.com.
1: Thank you, Brittany. Tom. So you can follow nemo at we are nemo travel um on instagram um our website's www.nemo-travel.com and you can get me on at tom from nemo on instagram as well um yeah so nice to chat guys really uh really enjoyed it nice to uh connect again sheena and so nice to meet you Brittany. hopefully we can uh we can stay in touch i think there's a lot of uh parallel views there
2: absolutely and thank you so much for having us sheena this has been great love hearing your heart and what you guys are doing tom and i look forward to supporting you guys in your venture you guys are amazing
0: thank you both so much and best of luck we are following actively with all the brilliant stuff that you're both doing